0: Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. We're going to continue our coverage of uh, the earthquake from this morning as well as everything else going on in the world. want to share with you some of the information that we do know. And then I want to let you know uh, about some of the efforts here going on behind the scenes. Uh, there are still some unanswered questions, including uh, what's happening on the 201 right now, uh, what's going on at Kennecut. Uh We have expert reporters and producers digging into both of those questions, and as soon as we have something concrete, we'll bring it to you here on these airwaves. One thing uh, concrete I do have is a voicemail that was distributed to uh, those uh, in, within the Salt Lake City School District. Uh, a good friend of the program, Yandri Chatwin, with the district uh, sent the following voicemail uh, to students and parents uh, in the district just this morning. This is a message from the Salt Lake City School District. Due to this morning's earthquake, we will be unable to provide student meals, food boxes for families, or student devices today. We will send a message to families as soon as we are able to resume. Este es un mensaje del Distrito Escolar de Salt Lake City. A causa del terremoto de esta mañana, no vamos a poder proveer comidas para los estudiantes o las familias y tampoco podemos proveer computadoras. Les mandaremos un mensaje cuando podamos empezar estos programas de nuevo. Gracias. I wanted to bring you that message both in English and in Spanish as it was presented to uh, parents and teachers within the Salt Lake City School District this morning. Uh, two bits of information right now. And right now, uh, we're kind of in the midst of lunchtime, so it's important if you're on the road right now driving to one of these food uh, pickup locations. And it is that the Salt Lake City School District is not providing that service today. Salt Lake City School District is not making lunches available to uh, students at these pickup locations today. So just know that. Uh, when that service resumes, we'll certainly let you know. The second bit of information from that voicemail, again shared by the Salt Lake City School District, is that the, the remote learning stuff, there were some plans in place to get that going today. Uh, those plans are on hold for the time being. Again, of course, uh, all of that coming as we react to this earthquake. 5.7 uh, on the is it the Richter scale that measures earthquakes? Uh, centered in Magna, Utah. We, we uh, also, I touched in the last segment about this uh, rumor that's been going on, uh, and then there is also, as you and I know, here in the state, there's a fault line nearby. Well, Steve Bowman with the Geologic uh, or the Utah Geological Survey, he's the geologic uh, manager out there. Says that uh, we cannot, uh, given an earthquake uh, the size of that, uh, are rumored, but he uh, prepared. I'm sorry, but we should be prepared for smaller tremors. Uh, Steve Bowman says, and here's uh, what he had to say earlier on these airwaves. There's been a lot of
1: reports out there that a very large earthquake, you know, eight or magnitude eight or nine, is imminent. It is not. Uh, we can't get an earthquake greater than about magnitude seven six, seven seven here in the this area of the Utah, in the Wasatch Fall. And as we go forward, we expect that we're going to continue to have some of these
0: smaller uh, aftershocks, like we've been seeing. That was earlier this morning, and those smaller aftershocks he makes mention of uh, are really only predictions based on statistics. This is not something that uh, we are uh, immediately bracing for, uh, nor is it something uh, giant and, and massive that will uh, likely overshadow what we endured this morning. Uh, the highest, highest of likelihoods is that uh, we have endured already uh, the, the the earthquake, the big one, of today at 57 uh, degree, or 5.7 on the Richter scale here this morning. We are standing by, in just a moment, we'll be speaking with uh, Unified Fire Authority. Not sure if we'll have the the chief or a deputy chief. What's happening uh, right now is officials from the Unified Fire Authority are meeting uh, with other county officials, including uh, Salt Lake County Mayor Jenny Wilson. Uh, That meeting uh, likely in an effort to just uh, marshal some of the resources, get things uh, in place uh, so that You know, all of the emergency services uh, are guaranteed and up and running as we make our way through this day and sort things out and dust ourselves off and get back at it. Uh, All on the line now, we do have uh, Riley Pilgrim, Assistant Chief with uh, Unified Fire Authority. Uh, Chief Pilgrim, grateful to you for your time. Uh, What can you tell us this morning?
1: This afternoon, rather, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, pretty dynamic situation. Uh, Kind of an interesting setup. We already had a lot of people in place in our emergency operations center for the COVID-19 response, and so naturally we just uh, integrated into this uh, earthquake response mode, and it was pretty busy when this first initially happened. We had a lot of calls for service. Uh, Fortunately, having the right people in this this operation center, we were able to start coordinating a lot of the -the on-the-ground responses uh, pretty quickly, and that just wasn't for our organization, but kind of helping countywide. We had a lot of really positive things happening pretty quick, which you know, it really made a big difference I think for the initial onset of this.
0: Speaking to Riley Pilgrim, Assistant Chief with Unified Fire Authority. Uh, sir, let me ask you this. You mentioned that we have had a number of measures already put in place as we react to this coronavirus. as uh, COVID-19, there's the social distancing and all that. Uh, would you say that the actions taken by your department uh, responding to the coronavirus uh, aided or hindered your response uh, here this morning to the, this oh, earthquake?
1: Great question. So, if- Couple of things. We we've done a lot of training and exercises for this exact scenario of an earthquake. So for a lot of us, this feels like we're kind of in an exercise right now because we've done this so many times. Doesn't mean it goes perfect, but it went really well. When you add the complexity of the coronavirus management, that did make things a little more challenging because when we're talking about moving people and sheltering people and potentially transporting large numbers of people who are unable to do so themselves it added a pretty interesting complexity that we couldn't just normally do on a on an average day. And so, luckily, we had those processes in place, and when this earthquake occurred, we just implemented some of those plans that we'd already been developing over the last few days for the, with the response to the coronavirus, and I do feel like that did set us up for a little more success than we might have experienced if this was just an earthquake and we all had to show up and start from scratch. So... In a weird way, it actually did kind of prepare us to just jump right into this next operation.
0: I think, uh, oddly enough, that that reality holds true for so many Utahns across the state. Uh, A number of us have uh, stocked our own shelves. A number of us have gotten supplies and uh, tools ready should anything happen, anything uh, of the unexpected sort uh, let me ask you a, a quick question, changing topics for a moment, and again, we're speaking with Riley Pilgrim, uh, Assistant Chief with Unified Fire Authority. This morning, there was a, a plume of sorts uh, at Kennecott, and I, my understanding is that uh, it is your department that responded to that. What can you tell us about what's happening at Kennecott this morning, or this afternoon, rather?
1: Yeah, so it was, our agency did respond initially out there at Kennecott, within our jurisdiction. We also did ask for assistance from neighboring jurisdictions. We actually had hazmat crews from Lehigh, uh, Salt Lake City, and I believe a few other neighboring departments within Salt Lake County. And initially, you know, we also do a lot of rehearsals and training with Kennecott. And the location where that was at, we're familiar with it, but the challenge we had is there's a very complex area of chemical storage and different things that they do there. And so for us, the initial challenge was really identification of what we were dealing with because it wasn't as easy as just walking up to it and testing it. We had a some very important protective measures we had to take with our people and honestly, what that required was just a little bit of time and a lot of analytics. We ended up using a drone to identify the source, the material, and the different things that were coming out of there and by the time we were able to do that interestingly enough and how a lot of these sometimes work out, the, the leak itself had it actually kind of subsided because the material had pretty much run out of the container and was caught in a catch basin as designed to happen and so it was kind of a monitoring posture. We were getting ready to potentially, you know, do any kind of evacuation that might have been necessary to any public that might have been a risk. Um, but fortunately, with the crews we had on scene, their monitoring and just their kind of our patience and their, their dedication to solving the problem. We were able to identify what it was, and it really did reduce the need for any kind of evacuation of nearby people. So.
0: Can you tell me what it was? What, what what required the deployment of the hazmat team, and then uh, after that, can you tell me if there is any lingering threat to folks in that a- in that area?
1: Yeah. So initially, we just had a, a quick call. We had some networking internally with Kennecott. We found out they had a potential problem. Uh, we initiated a response out there. They they did see a plume at first, which again, with these kind of chemicals and these kind of leaks, is common. It's scary. It can be a little intimidating, but we believe we identified it as a hydrochloric acid, uh, which is a common uh, chemical they use out there for a lot of their processing and leaked into what we call a containment basin. So they're designed to actually hold anything that's within that container. So there's upwards of eight or 9,000 gallons will actually be caught within a containment barrier. And so it doesn't leak out of that. It stays within a barrier. It sounds like they may have had some um, of the material get out of the barrier, but nothing significant, not a threat to the public. Um, currently, we do have an ongoing situation because now that material is not in its design container, it's in this backup container, and it is going to take some time for crews on site to adequately assess what it's going to take to get that cleaned up. But we do believe at this moment, with what we have in place, there is no ongoing threat to the public. But that's going to be dependent on aftershocks and anything else that happens. And we're we're posturing and preparing in case we do have to take action there. But right now. We can't say that we, we have that situation monitored, close to being under control, and it's just going to be a cleanup phase, but still a little bit of risk, but we we'll, we have plans for that. So
0: Any, any injuries sustained by either Kennecott workers, uh, members of the U, Unified Fire Authority, or any of the assisting agencies you can tell me about?
1: No. So as a matter of fact, uh, no injuries uh, for our department. What our protocol is, is all the, all the firefighters, and it happened at ship change, which is interesting. So we had... Typically double the firefighters that we'd have on shift. Uh, Many did check on their families, but many also did stay, and we staffed extra apparatus. They pull out of the stations, and we were able to verify that there was no injuries to our employees, no damage to our infrastructure, our stations. Within Kennecott, some damage to some, some of their buildings, but no employee injuries that we're aware of. And then even locally, not a lot of injuries or anything that we've heard of. A lot of our business has been gas leaks. Responding to typical calls, medical calls, and a couple of false alarm house fires, and but we we haven't really seen a lot of a lot of injuries out of this. So.
0: We're speaking to Riley Pingram, uh, Pilgrim, Assistant Fire Chief with Unified Fire Authority. Uh, one final question, sir: It's my understanding the National Guard may have been called out. Is that accurate? And if so, what triggers a call for their aid?
1: Okay, so very that's a very common practice. So the National Guard has what we call the Civil Support Team. And they have some uh, personnel who are, again, experienced hazmat individuals. They they can come into these kind of scenarios and provide, we kind of call them force multipliers. They can bring in more people, more equipment, and they kind of back up or provide us even additional assistance with these kind of larger, more complex uh, scenarios. Um, So very common practice. A lot of times we solicit their advice or just bring them in for the partnership, the experience, and it kind of just gives us an extra set of eyes and another group of individuals to kind of look at a problem and help us make sure that we've covered our bases and they're not seeing anything that we're not seeing. But they're a very skilled group of individuals. It does require some extra processes through the state of Utah and sometimes even approval from the governor. But in this scenario, we were able to work past that and just get them activated, the components that were necessary. But with this being kind of in check, their their services may not be as... As critical as they were before. So that'll free them up for other tasks.
0: I I know I told you that was the last question, and I'm sorry. Uh, Again, speaking to Riley Pilgrim with the Unified Fire Authority, uh, as you and your agency and the the support folks there in place uh, act or work to uh, 100% contain this, there's no threat of, uh, say, shifting winds, changing the threat to the community or anything like that, is there?
1: We're watching that very closely. So one of the determining factors that we use for you know, decide if we need to evacuate or not is current and future forecast. We do have a cold front moving into the valley tonight as forecasted, so that means our winds will be coming out of the west and even the north. The location of this facility and where Magnus sits, that actually would be in that direction, right? But with the material where it's at inside a building where it's contained, the risk to the public even with those winds is extremely low right now. But we're going to continue to monitor that. We're going to watch that. And if we, if we determine that there's any kind of threat, we're prepared to respond appropriately.
0: Outstanding, sir. I'm so grateful to you for your time, and I'm grateful that you would step away from your duties to keep our audience informed. Uh, if you don't mind, we may be knocking on your door again later on in the program to get some updates. Uh, but you get no back problem. to work keeping us safe, and I'm grateful to you uh, for doing just that. Thank you. All That was Riley Pilgrim, assistant fire chief with Unified Fire Authority, working on a situation out at Kinnikut, uh, where some hazardous materials have been spilt. Uh, they're under control, though, according to the assistant chief there. And uh, we're going to continue to monitor that. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll be speaking with Spencer Hall from Rocky Mountain Power. There have been some power outages as a result of this 5.7 magnitude earthquake centered in Magna early this morning. Uh, we're going to get a status update from Spencer Hall and we're going to cover much more, including a, a conversation with Mary Richards, who's downtown today. That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.